Father, I know that it's your desire to speak to my heart, to speak to this congregation through your word. Lord, I pray that my spiritual ears would be open. And I pray that our spiritual ears would be open. And our heart would be receptive to what you want to say this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Sort of something a little different this morning. Monday, when I went into my office for my devotional time, I had this thought, and the thought was this. To share with you what my devotional life is like. And I just thought we could kind of like recreate that. So in thinking about that, I called Pastor Bonnie and I said, Bonnie, can you sing the three songs that I listen to during my devotional period? I sit in my chair with my cup of coffee, and the first thing I read is Daily in His Presence, uh, a devotional book by Andrew Murray. And then on my computer, I listen to those three songs. And after those three songs are played, my simple prayer is just the prayer that I prayed with you, that I believe it's God's desire every day to speak to us. And how does he speak to us? He speaks to us through his word. And my prayer has always been, Lord, open my spiritual ears and my heart to receive what it is that you want to say to me this day. And in trying to create it, if you've ever been in my office before, you'll notice this picture. This picture is what, and if you haven't been in my office, well, good for you. Um, <laughs> no, visit anytime. This is a picture, it's a black and white picture, and what drew me to the picture is the confidence of the lighthouse in amidst the storm. The confidence of the lighthouse in amidst the storm. And not only that, but what really drew my attention is this, that in the midst of a storm, that we as Christians have confidence to continue to let our light shine. Because we are a living witness to this world. And in a midst of a pandemic, boy, in this pandemic, boy, it certainly shows some of our character flaws. It has me. And I have to realign myself through the reading of his word that in the midst of a storm, that in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a pandemic, like that lighthouse, I let my light shine for Jesus Christ. This past Monday, I don't know if you know it or not, but the 29th storm of the year was named. Did you know that? Storm Theta. The 29th storm, named storm. Now, I saw this little graph, and I, I was kind of interested in it, because you see that little white part? On the right-hand, left-hand side, you'll see the numbers 0, 6, 12, 18. 
That white part represents the 40th to 60th percentile. In a normal year, the 40 to percentile says we have about, what, 12 named storms. How many know that 2020 has not been a normal year? Therefore, we have surpassed the record of 2005 where we had 28 named storms. This year, we've had 29 storms. And what's kind of interesting is if you look in 2005, there were one, two, three more storms that occurred. So we're, it's not over yet. 29 storms. 12 hurricanes. Five major hurricanes. 340 people lost their lives as a result of these storms. Which reminds me that storms don't play favorites, do they? Christians have storms. Jesus said he calls the sun to rise and to, on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the what? The righteous and on the unrighteous. As I read Psalm, uh, Acts 27, as I finished the whole chapter, went back and look, started breaking it apart on different days. This was my question that I wrote. And let me preface it by saying this. One of the best ways to learn is by asking questions. Did you know that? One of the best ways to learn is by asking questions. So as I read, I will ask myself questions and then go back to try to find the answer. So my question I wrote is, how do you stay calm and maintain a confidence and a courage in the midst of a storm. Because we're all going to face storms. So how do you stay confident? How do you stay calm? And how do you stay courageous in the midst of a storm? Now, whenever you dissect God's word, I have said this so many times. Context, context, context. You have to know why it's written, where it's written, and the time period. Acts 27 is during the time when Paul has been arrested for preaching the gospel. And as a Roman citizen, what did Paul do? He requested a trial in Rome by Caesar. What's kind of interesting is the last verse of chapter 26. Agrippa and Festa, this man, they said, this man could have been set free. Paul could have been set free. But what did Paul do? He appealed that his case be heard in Rome. So from Israel to Rome... They had to transport Paul via TWA. No. 
No airplanes back then. They had to board a a ship. So the Roman centurions, the Roman soldiers, get Paul and some other prisoners who had to go to Rome, boarded a boat, and set sail for Rome. Chapter 27 picks it up when they get to the island of Crete. Crete is an island out in the Mediterranean Sea. And verse 20, uh, uh, chapter 27 says that they, they landed at the uh, Fair Havens area, which is the southern part of the island of Crete. It's kind of interesting. And this is where the problem begins. They're there, and they want to get to Rome, but the Bible is very specific. It says, it was after the fast. Now, what means after the fast? After the fast meant it was after the Day of Atonement. After the Day of Atonement falls in what we call the fall. So it's later in the year. It's starting with winter time, And the Bible was very clear that it was not safe to sail during those times. During that season. But they wanted to get Paul to Rome. And Paul flat out says... Hey guys, and Paul was known as a man of God. Paul had been on three missionary journeys already. He was known as a man of God. And Paul gave specific advice. I don't think it's within our best interest to be sailing at this time. We need to winter here. Until the spring comes. As we read on, we know that they didn't heed Paul's advice. And what takes place is they set sail, and they're only going trying to go up to Phoenix. If you, if you look on your left-hand side, you see that little red Phoenix. That's, they wanted to get to Phoenix because it would be a better, safe place to dock for the winter. So they were just going to sail up the island of Crete, a nice Mediterranean sail, and get there. And Paul says, no, I think we should stay. Ignoring the voice of Paul, they set sail. And wouldn't you know it, that a gentle breeze developed into what the Bible calls a nor'easter. A nor'easter came from the northeast. And the, the, the Bible says the winds were like hurricane, uh, hurricane form of uh, force. And a northwest drove the ship southwest, southeast, south, northeast drew it southwest. And for the, 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 the storm, the winds were so strong that the boat was just driven. And scripture says for two weeks, for two weeks in dark, they were in that area, that circle there not knowing where they were in the midst of nor'easter with the waves battering against the ship. I say all that because there were three reasons why they made a bad decision. As I started to look at this passage of Scripture, I said, why didn't they heed 
Paul's voice. What was it? Well, join me with reading Acts 27, starting with the 11th verse. And let's see what we pull out of this. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot or the, the uh, captain and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor wasn't suitable to winter in, the majority, oh, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete that was facing southwest and northeast. When, verse 13, when a gentle south, the summer winds came blowing. Well, not really, not summer. A gentle southern wind began to blow. Southern, driving them up, if you know anything about sailing. They thought they obtained what they, they thought they obtained what they wanted. So they weighed, they lifted anchors and sailed along the shore of Crete. And not soon after is the nor'easter that came. You have a little fill-in that we're doing something a little different. If you have your uh, order of service, you, you have that little fill-in. I was trained in Bible school that when you look at a portion of Scripture, there's usually three points that come out. And as I started to look at the scripture, my question was, what led them to ignore Paul's godly wisdom and set sail? Well, have you, let me, don't raise your hand, but have you ever made an investment because of the advice of an expert and lost money? I made an investment hoping that it would triple on the advice of the so-called expert and I realized I didn't have the stomach to stay in it and I pulled out and lost money. The first thing I saw that led them to a wrong decision is that they followed the advice, they got bad advice from the experts. And you can rush write experts in there. They got bad ex advice from the experts. Listen, people mean well. People have big hearts. But I have often thought this many times. We always want a platform. We always want to give advice. We always want to be the one with words of wisdom. And our heart means well. But sometimes our heart can get confused with the spirit. And sometimes we'll say, God told me to tell you when it was actually just the heart and not the spirit. Do you know, we need to be careful. They followed the bad advice of the experts, the, the captain and the owner. Secondly, this is what I saw. This is what I pulled out. The majority. Come on, parents. How many times have you heard your teenager said, 
everybody else is going. Everybody else is doing it. I don't care if everybody else is going, and I don't care if everybody else is doing it. That doesn't make it right. Where do we learn that from? The majority is not always right. We learn that when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, just after a couple weeks, the majority wanted to go back. What we need to realize is sometimes the experts give us bad advice. And sometimes the majority is not always right. And a gentle wind. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, Pastor, it just so happened. It just so happened. I, it just seemed too good to be true. It just so happened. And it just so happened that a gentle southern wind Along with receiving bad advice from experts and following the crowd, sometimes we have the wrong perception. Sometimes we get the wrong perception of a situation. And when that southern wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. Can I ask a question? Have you ever got something you thought you wanted and after you got it, you didn't really want it? But it just, we used to call this, we don't use this word anymore, but years ago, we used to call this situational ethics. If it feels good, do it. And it just felt good. It felt like the right thing. Ignore godly advice. It just so happened a southern wind. We can get to Phoenix. We can, we can harbor there. You can't base your life on feelings. On situational ethics. If God says, stay in the harbor. Winter in the harbor. I don't care what the situation looks like. I don't care what the situation may appear. You better heed the voice to stay in the harbor. Well, along with making some bad decisions, the second thing I saw is these were human beings like you and I. And there's nothing new under the sun, is there? And as I saw them make a bad decision because of the bad advice from the experts and because they followed the crowd and they had the wrong perception and situation ethics, it just felt good. Let's just do it. In the midst, when that nor'easter came and swept them out to sea, in the midst of that storm, I saw three wrong moves. That not only they made, but I observe and I make all the time. Join with me, starting with verse 15. Verse 15, verse 18, and verse 20. The ship was caught by the storm, 
and it could not head into the winds. So we gave way to it, and we're driven along. We gave way to it. Boy, how many times when the storms come in our life, we just give up. We gave way to it, and we were just driven along. Verse 18. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to overthrow, they began to throw the cargo overboard. Verse 20. Then neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. And the storm continued raging. And finally, gave up all hope of being saved. As I sat there and, and read this passage of scripture for a little while, meditated upon it, I thought how many times when a storm came in my life, I was just driven by it. Where the values that I once had, I forgot about. My dreams, my goals, my desires. Think about it. I, I don't know if you have ever been, but on a couple occasions, I've been out on the, you guys, out in the Atlantic, way out, and let me tell you, when you can no longer see the shoreline, when you can no you experience boaters, God bless you, but when you can no longer see the shoreline and you get out there, when I see the shoreline, I always know that that is west. Go west. Go west. <laughs> we'll just go west. But when you can't, when you don't see the shoreline, you're out there. Thank God for GPS. Thank God for compasses that can give you a location of where north, east, south. Because you can get out there and you cannot know literally where north, east, south, or west is. Now, back in those days, they didn't have compasses. They navigated through the stars. And if you read the passage, it says it was dark, they couldn't see the stars. They were in total darkness. They were in total chaos. In amidst the storm, it's so easy to get driven that we lose our sight of direction. We lose our sight of who we are. We lose our sight of the boundaries. Before you know it, it's just like we keep spiring down, down, and it gets darker and darker and darker. And listen, I have this saying. When you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Stop. Driven. They were driven. Secondly, I, I love when this happens. They began to throw. And when you can get three points that all start with the same letters, boy, that's a home run. So instead of they just threw things overboard, got a little creative, they discarded. They started to discard, throw over. It says they threw over cargo. The next verse, it says they threw over their tackle. Uh, a little bit further on, they threw over their grain. Eventually, you see where they throw themselves over into the sea. But I'll tell you what, in the storms of life, boy, we start throwing away things, don't we? 
our values, our prayer life, relationships. I mean, for goodness sakes, people throw away, stop coming to church. In the midst of a storm, it's not the time to throw away your values, your beliefs. And they got to the point where neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued to rage. How many can identify with the storm just continuing? And finally, they gave up all hope. Driven, discarded. And now we see them at a point of, come on, D, despair. Despair. When you give up hope, to me that's like you've reached the bottom of the barrel. All hope of being saved. What's the use? We're being driven. I have no longer any more energy to fight. I'm just being driven. We're lost. I've given up on things I thought I would never give up on. Pastor, I've reached the bottom of the barrel where I'm in a situation that there is no possibility. It's impossible. I'm between a rock and a hard place. I've given up hope. And if you're here this morning, and maybe over this past week, this past month, this past year, you're in amidst a storm where you've reached the bottom of the barrel and you're saying, what's the use? It's impossible. I've given up all hope. Can I remind you of something? It's not the end of the story. The story continues. Last week, I, I talked about a scripture verse that could, I don't know if it kept any of you awake this week. When Moses saw him who was invisible, and how do you see someone who is invisible? If there really is invisible, how can you see them? He saw him who was invisible. There's another scripture verse in Romans chapter 4, verse 18. It's sort of like this. This will keep you up. Against all hope. And what's it saying? Against all hope. Against all human possibilities. Against all hope. Where you've reached the bottom of the barrel and there's no hope left. Against all hope. Abraham in hope. If it's been against all hope, how does he still have hope? Against all hope. Abraham in hope believed. And because when all hope was lost, he still grabbed on to hope and believed. He became the father of many nations. When I saw this, this is what I thought of. This could be applied to Paul. Paul, against all hope, in the storm, 
all lost. Paul, in hope. Listen to what he says in verse 21. Men, I told you so. Don't you just hate it? I told you so. You should have taken my advice, not sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. I need to stop and say this. We're the cause of a lot of storms in our life. Did you know that? We can create our own storms. Sometimes God causes and allows storms. And sometimes we're just a victim. Like Paul and Silas in the jail. They were victims of a storm that someone else made. Boy, when you're just a victim and you didn't do anything. Boy, that's a tough one. Now I urge you. It's not over, guys. I urge you. I want to encourage you. Come on, troops. Let's, let's, let's huddle. Give up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Boy, there's some godly wisdom from a godly individual who they should have listened to the first time. And when Paul said this, my question was, how was it that he was so confident in a crisis, in a storm, in the Mediterranean, not knowing where they were, dark for 14 days, just being driven with all hope that was lost? How was it that Paul was able to stay so confident in this storm? Pastor Bonnie, you can come. Finish this thing up. Starting with the 21st verse. I mean, starting with the uh, 23rd verse here. Last night. How was it that he stayed so confident? Last night, an angel of God, whom I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. God has graciously given you the lives of all who are with you. So keep your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Verse 29, fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks. They dropped four anchors and prayed for daylight. Listen, in amidst the storm, it's our natural reaction to what? Run. In a crisis. It's our natural reaction, like the psalmist. Oh, if I had the wings of a dove, I would fly away. In the, in the midst of a crisis, all we want to do is crawl in fetal position and lay on the floor and hope that it's just been a bad nightmare. But in the midst of this storm, they dropped four anchors. You know what those four anchors were? A reminder, anchor number one in the midst of the storm. Remind yourself of God's presence. An angel of God whom I stood, stood beside me. 
in the midst of a storm, drop the anchor reminding you that He is always with you. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. Even in a state of emergency, even in a state of a pandemic, even in the midst of a quarantine, God does not quarantine Himself, but is in your presence and in your midst. Remind yourself of God's presence. Second, you must stand trial before Caesar. Paul, you could have been freed, but you appealed to Caesar. Drop the anchor. Remind yourself that if you're still breathing, God still has a purpose for you. And God's purpose for Paul was not yet through. God created us with a purpose as a being. And in the midst of the storm, it does not take away the purpose. It could be that you're going through the storm for someone else that is not always about you. It says in 2 Corinthians, with the same comfort you have, you'll be able to comfort others. You may be going through a storm, receiving comfort from God, that five, ten years from now, you'll be able to speak in someone else's life with the comfort that you have received, you'll be able now to give to them because you've gone through it. Purpose. Third. It will happen just as he told me. If God said it, it will come true. How many promises are in God's word? If God promises it, it will come true. Drop the anchor of his presence. Drop the anchor of his purpose. And drop the anchor of his promise. That God has given promises that you are to stand upon in the midst of the storm. In the midst of a storm. In the midst of a crisis. You need a word from God. You need a scripture from God. And you need to stand on that promise. And fourth... The fourth anchor I call the anchor boy of prayer. Would you join me? And I'm done. You guys are a part of the fourth anchor. Oh, what, oh, what peace, peace we, we often forfeit. Oh, of the storm. Have 
in his arms. He takes and he shields thee in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a storm. And there you, you find solace, you find peace. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to take and have the Lord take you in his arms. At the end of my reading and meditating and looking, it's my time where I kneel and pray. If you just need the Lord to take you in his arms and shield thee in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of this time in your life, would you just join me at this altar in prayer? Oh.